Welcome to the Lion's Den University Report. This program brings you a behind-the-scenes look at the spiritual life on today's university and college campuses. Now here's your host, Glenn Bailey. And we happen to be in Anvil, Pennsylvania today, a small rural town with uh, the college is kind of the center of the town, I guess, uh, Lebanon Valley College. And we're here in the music de- building in the music department uh, with Dr. Shelley Mormon Stallman. And uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, her music involvement here and also around the world in Brazil. She's uh, had some opportunities to develop some relationships there and uh, uh, her one of her instruments is the uh, organ, and uh, uh, we uh, also talked about her personal life. And uh, uh, you, Shelley, welcome again to the program. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, you mentioned that you have uh, one natural-born daughter and then two adopted uh, daughters, and they're from Ukraine. And so, tell us a little bit about how you got into adopting and and from Ukraine, and what what all went on in that process. I'm sure it was. Uh, rather uh, interesting. Yeah, when Megan was a baby, uh, we didn't have any difficulties at all, but we decided that uh, uh, we wanted to um, maybe wait until later in life and then maybe have adopt some older children. And we kind of had forgotten about that whole thought process. And when Megan was about 11 years old, she came downstairs one day and she says, I want a sister. And I found her on the Internet. (laughs) And we were like, what? (laughs) And she had actually uh, found some websites that were uh, children that needed adoption from uh, Russia. Well, we, we said, actually, Megan, we had thought about that when you were a baby. And so it seems to be the time now. So we sort of began to look and uh, we started to um, veer toward uh, uh, some Ukraine. And we went to Ukraine. And the first time we were there, um, we didn't have a particular child in mind. And we had many difficulties and struggles and actually came back without a child. And we thought at that time, maybe God doesn't want us to have adopt. And Megan kept saying, yes. Uh, God wants us to adopt, to keep at it, mom and dad. So we uh, hosted a a girl over um, the summer from Ukraine, and it was an organization that you they come and the children come for a, a couple weeks, and it allows the children to have an opportunity to have a vacation from their orphanage, but it allows uh, parents to see if that's something they want to adopt or not. And we love this child. Uh, she went back to Ukraine, and she said that she would wants to be adopted by her uncle who lived in Ukraine. Oh, so we thought okay. again, well, right. perhaps God doesn't want us to adopt. A lot so of closed we closed doors we, along and, the way. Right. And Megan <laughs> says, no, he does. So we um, decided to host another child over Christmas and again fell in love with that child. At the, while that child was in our house, the first child had written through a, a translator indicating that uh, she did want to be adopted. She decided. And so then we were trying to figure out, well, now we have two children. We wanted one. And so we said, OK, God's calling us to have two children. So and, we, and how old was this daughter at the time? Uh, they were both uh, like about 11 and 12 at the time. Yeah. OK. And so uh, we uh, decided then to uh, put in requests to adopt both children. And that meant that we would have to be in different parts of the country in a long process. So Mm. we were over there uh, about two months trying to do this adoption. Um, And we finally adopted both uh, girls and came back with uh, a larger family. And my husband was uh, one man and a (laughs) a daughter, uh, three daughters and one wife. (laughs) Right. Okay. And now... uh English probably wasn't their original language. Did, did they know English at the time when you adopted them? They knew just a few phrases, basically. One girl knew a little bit more than the other. 
but uh, they had recommended that we just put them straight into the school and they um, blossomed quickly with their English. It was amazing. And it was more of like, because they wanted to communicate with friends that they started developing this English skills. And um, the reading part came slower, of course, but they were did just fine. Right. Okay. And, and now in Ukraine, the, is the language Russian for the entire country or are there a couple of con- uh, languages there? No, it's either Ukraine or Russian. And okay. so one girl spoke Ukraine, the other spoke Russian, oh, but it's very okay. similar. It's kind of like mm-hmm. Spanish and Portuguese or similar words. I see. And then uh, the girl who spoke Ukraine began to adapt to Russian when she started talking with the, the other girl we adopted. Right. And then um, by about, after about four months, they stopped really talking much in their native language and began speaking mm-hmm. more in English, even when they spoke to each other. I see. Okay. Or, or if they wanted to hide something from the parents. Right. <laughs> yeah. The trick there was because, of course, Megan, our biological daughter, had only only spoke English. Okay. So we want, didn't want to create a situation where it was them versus right. her. Sure. So we encouraged everybody to speak English. Right. And has your other daughter learned a little bit of Russian or Ukrainian? Or uh, Yeah, they taught her a little bit of words that she mm-hmm. probably shouldn't have learned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. And uh, so that's interesting. And, of course, in terms of uh, politically, Ukraine is in the news uh, with the relationship with Russia. And uh, this was, of course, after the Soviet Union collapsed, I'm assuming, when you did the adoption. So these were separate countries, and yet there's been some political things going on. What are, what are you aware of in terms of having been over in the Ukraine and having that connection? It was uh, very interesting because we the one child was from a, um, an area that was close to Kiev, and that was very much a Ukraine area. The other child was from Sevastopol, which actually originally was um, a Russian area. So that child has a little more empathy toward the Russians, whereas the other one was more empathy toward uh, Ukraine. And we met friends through this adoption process that live in Ukraine who helped us through the process. And uh, they are, of course, was very upset when the Russians came in. But we had a taxi driver when we were in Sevastopol that would sing uh, songs in Russian. Mm. So it was um, a very different kind of feeling. And so I think it would depend upon who you talk to of our friends, of what their feelings were about that. Right. Now, our daughters both uh, are upset because that Russia came in to invade their country. Sure. And so they have that quality. Right. Okay. And uh, we understand they're wrestling with issues like corruption. And uh, I'm involved with the American Pastors Network. And one of our representatives is working with the Ukraine, new Ukrainian government to try and establish a new constitution with uh, protections against some of the corruption and also to deal with, uh, you know, the, the potential of a Russian invasion and the ongoing conflict uh, with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's an area, I think, of concern and prayer. And and uh, uh, now uh, were the two girls uh, involved in uh, the life of the church at all while they were there or did, were they exposed to Christianity in their uh, well, the, the one daughter spent most of the time on the street. She, um, her, her mother was homeless, and it was just recent that she was put in the orphanage. I see. Uh, so she had very little church exposure. Uh, the other daughter actually was in an orphanage where uh, a Baptist church had, had come in and did like a mission project. So they actually would come out and take the children to church. So she had more of a little background in that. So she knew the stories of the Bible when she came. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So have they adjusted now? Uh, your family, I assume, attends church together, or how does that work in, in your dynamics? And uh, are, are well, the children still at home? I'm not even sure what age well, they uh, are Well, actually, uh, Oya and Dasha are both in at home yet, and uh, but they uh, have j- jobs where they are not able to attend on Sunday mornings with us. I see. Uh, it was difficult when they first came over, because if you go to church, they didn't understand what was going on in church, and it was something that was unfamiliar to them. So there was a period of uh, quite a bit of adjusting there. And we had originally uh, went to a church that was uh, in Harrisburg when we lived here. And I wasn't a minister of music at that time. And uh, we... We changed churches to a local church because it was just trying to go. The drive was a uh, issue for them, and so it mm-hmm. made too much time. So we made an adjustment to our religious life to help um, bridge that gap. Great. Okay. And now back to Lebanon Valley College and the music program that you do. Um, is there any uh, restriction or uh, resistance to uh, using religious and Christian music in uh, your programs here? Uh, no, because we have a long tradition of a sacred music. De- well, there used to be a sacred music degree. Now it's a Bachelor of Arts in sacred music. So I have complete freedom to um, share a variety of types of music with the students here at the college. Uh, they also have a wonderful uh, Wednesday night service where the students lead the worship themselves. And mm-hmm. they have a lot of actually uh, Christian um, contemporary Christian music that they do in that. So they have complete freedom to, to express themselves as they wish Right. Okay. And uh, there are a number of Christian ministries that are active here on campus, and you have a campus chaplain, I understand, and coordinates uh, some of these events. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very active uh, Christian ministry. They have um, many Bible studies they've got organized. They have a a Christian fellowship night on Friday nights, and they have activities. Um, It's it's a healthy relationship. And then they also, of course, uh, uh, support... uh, uh, a, a multicultural faith background too. So they also have some uh, services where it will be um, more God oriented towards toward instead of Christianity. Right. So okay. a variety and for I also for all understand. Uh, I saw a I think a Wiccan organization on campus here as well. Are you aware of that or a what Wiccan? The I'm pagan no, organization. No, I don't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw that on the website, I guess. Okay. Yeah. But uh, and that's where you know where our universities are these days. Not uh, they've uh, many of them lost the Christian heritage, even that they were started with, and uh, uh, but. Uh, it's it's sometimes nowadays a little bit more resistant to uh, being things that are overtly Christian, and yet here you're able to uh, not in a uh, as a ministry of a church or anything, but to be able to train up uh, music ministers here. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And so I try to actually uh, train them to be able to be uh, able to uh, serve any denomination in church. So we work through the Lutheran liturgy. We work through the Methodist liturgy. We work through each types of of liturgy so the student could serve in any way. Right. Okay. And you mentioned uh, in their worship services, they use contemporary Christian music. Do you get into that at all in the coursework? Or? I don't need the coursework just because that's the area they're most, uh, they have the most experience in. Mm-hmm. And so I want to make sure they understand um, the traditional parts that they, some of them might not have had in their own uh, local churches. Right. Okay. And uh, so uh, as you see yourself as a Christian here, is that an influence uh, as we've already talked about it quite a bit, uh, how you operate as a professor, any things that you feel like your Christian faith uh, motivates a distinctive in the way you teach or the, the attitudes that you have towards students and, and those sorts of things. Yeah, I, I guess I think um, 
I try to uh, treat each student as I feel that God, or in G- especially Jesus, taught me how to treat others. And so I treat them with respect. I don't necessarily always talk about my Christian faith to them, but I try to um, live an example. I also am free to... to uh, to talk about like the mission work that I do. And I think through that, the students know what my faith background is. Mm-hmm. Great, great. And do you find other faculty members that you relate to on a faith basis at all? Or is that a yeah, part of your there, there dynamic? There are um, quite a few um, faith-based uh, professors here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Well, my guest uh, for this broadcast has been Dr. Shelley Mormon stallman And uh, she's here in the uh, music department here at the Uh, Lebanon Valley College in Anvil, Pennsylvania, a small rural uh, setting uh, and uh, involved in uh, uh, music training for students uh, and even a a degree in uh, training of the Ministry of Music as well for uh, church potential. And uh, as always, our program, the Lions Den University Report, uh, we make it available to anyone who'd like a copy of this interview or any of our interviews. Uh, first of all, we'd point you to our website where we post them uh, uh, on a regular basis, uh, the Lions Den University Report.org. And then also, uh, we make them available on a CD format. And so, if you'd like a copy of this or any other interviews, we invite you to write us at the address that uh, my announcer will give in just a few moments. And we invite you to look up the website and invite your friends to uh, listen to interviews as we uh, interview professors, students, coaches, athletes, internationals, uh, campus ministers, uh, speakers on campuses, uh, such as uh, one of our uh, best interviews, I think, was with Dr. Ravi Zacharias uh, from down in Atlanta with the RZIM ministry around the world and uh, a variety of scientists and other subjects we deal with. Today was music, and uh, we're happy to see uh, those in the music department recognizing and using uh, some of the great music that's been written by uh, godly uh, Christians over the centuries. And uh, so, uh, Shelley, uh, thanks again for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. You have been listening to the Lion's Den University Reports. If you would like more information about the Christian life or would like to contact the Lion's Den or one of the guests, please write us at the Lion's Den, Post Office Box 226, Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania, 17844 or email ltcldur at yahoo.com.